You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. What an honor to be here tonight. I was expecting to slip in with my wife and uh, just be in the back there and just enjoy the service with you this evening. And it's an honor to be here at Kissimmee Baptist Church. This is actually not my very first time here. I was here in 1997. You remember me? <laughs> I actually was here with the West Coast Baptist College tour group. You know how small the college was back then when they put me on the tour group. And, uh, and they got to be here and, and visit uh, the great Gethsemane Baptist Church of Long Beach. And uh, now, all these years later, you're still faithful, still serving the Lord, still meeting on Sunday nights. What a blessing. And I'll tell you that, that uh, this, is, this is more and more rare to see someone, uh, to see a church that stays faithful. And, uh, and you, I'm sure you know that, uh, that, that usually a church has a life cycle it goes through. There's very few churches that go on generation of generation staying faithful. And uh, what, a, what an honor to be here tonight. And, uh, I, I, you know, so many years ago, I was a, I was a college student. And I uh, did my, my singing thing, you know, and, and uh, I was a tall, skinny, skinny kid with the big glasses. And, uh, and then, you know, got to just be in a, you know, the, 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 a big church like this. And, and now all these years later, uh, thank you for, for being able to, to know that we could slip in on a Sunday night and you still have church. It's, it's an honor. And I just, I just love it. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be taking our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. I'm talking to a church that has a long history, a wonderful history, a history of faithfulness. And tonight we're going to be talking about a man who was also faithful. Uh, we're going to look just at, at a man that Jesus is going to now rate. He is, we're going to see how Jesus is going to, uh, to, to uh, uh, judge this man and put him in a, in a category that's, that's meteoric. It's so high up there. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to read a verse, we're going to pray together, and spend a few times around the Word of God, just a few minutes, and then we'll be going home. Let's, let's start with, in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look in, 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 starting at verse number 11, this is Jesus speaking here, he says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now that is high praise. From the Lord Jesus Christ himself. About this man, John the Baptist, he said, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Would you mind, though, going back with me just a few verses to the beginning of this chapter? Verse number two. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ... He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John the Baptist, the very one that Jesus would rank at his moment in history and say, There has, at this point in history, there has never been a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. And yet John, I guess we could rate him then as super Christian, spiritual giant. And yet John 
the Baptist had a moment in his life where he said to Jesus, he sent messenger. he couldn't ask himself, he was stuck in prison, but he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus this question. He said, uh, are you the one we're looking for? Are you really him? Tonight, the one preaching to you is nowhere near the caliber of John the Baptist. And I'm guessing that the wonderful congregation of folks I'm preaching to probably includes not one who would be of his caliber of faith, courage, determination, and willingness to sacrifice. And that means that if a man of his caliber could come to a moment in his life where he says, are you the one? Are you really the one? Have I been wasting my time? If it could happen to John the Baptist, it could easily happen to you and I. Let's pray. Father, pray that you please bless in this few minutes. Pray that you please steady our hearts. I pray that someone in this room who's struggling right now, who's going through what they never intended to go through, I pray that you'd please steady their hearts. Pray for those who have questions. I pray that you please settle them tonight. I pray that you'd please keep this church going faithfully until you return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who is John the Baptist? Who is this man? You know the story about the fact that his birth was extraordinary. His mom could not have a baby. Uh, his, his, uh, his dad was a priest. And then uh, an angel came. And so, I mean, this is an amazing thing. Happens to be the cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ, older than him by six months. And this is um, um, amazing how John was born and his name even was so important that his dad was unable to speak for months until he gave him the right name, John the Baptist. And then as John the Baptist grew, he, he was willing to take on this calling that was especially given to him. We're talking about a heavy calling that he would have to sacrifice any of the normal dreams that boys dream. He at some point in his life decided, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to serve the Lord God, my master, and I'm going to do what he's called me to do, which is to be the preparer of the way. My job is to prepare the way of the one coming after me. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all. But I get to be a very special part of God's plan. And because of that, I am going to give up the normal uh, mode of life that most young men are going, the, the track that most young men follow through life. I'm going to give that up. And so he ends up being just different. He was willing to stand up and preach publicly. He wasn't invited to come to a, a big, beautiful auditorium, and, and people filled the pews, and they invite, uh, Dr. John, John, John the Baptist, please come on up here and preach. He didn't ever have that. He was outside preaching to the multitudes, and if you didn't want to listen, you could just walk away, and he had the courage to do that, and if you don't understand what that courage is like, try it sometime. Go on to a busy street corner, lift up your voice, and begin to preach the gospel, and you will discover it takes an amazing dose of courage to that this man had. He had a, a willingness to live his life different than everybody else. If you, if you look up, and I won't have to turn there, but in a few chapters before this, describing his lifestyle, it talks about the fact that he had a raiment of camel's hair and they had a leathern girdle about his loins. So, in, and the reason why I mention this is because this was not according to the fashion of that day. 
and yet he was okay looking different, being different. The Bible tells us that he lived in the wilderness and that his meat was locust and wild honey. Now, why would the Bible give us those details? Because these things were different than, the, than, than everybody else. And he was okay with being different. Then he goes on and, and uh, begins to preach, and he begins to make enemies. And he was okay with the fact that he was going to be unpopular. He wasn't going to have the normal house that everybody else is going to have. He's going to sleep in the wilderness. He's not going to eat the normal meals everybody else is going to eat. He's going to eat locusts and wild honey. He's going to dress. That's going to be a little differently. But he's okay with all that because he's doing God's will. He's got a calling in his life that's different from everybody else. He's okay with that. And then he eventually becomes unpopular because he's preaching the truth. And those in authority did not want to hear the truth. But at the same time, he eventually had a, quite a following coming to him, and he was quite, how do we say, he was quite productive. He was baptizing thousands there in the Jordan River. And then the day came when he recognized, he knew, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And he pointed out Jesus Christ. He sent disciples his direction. And from that point forward, he was willing to be the second man. He was willing to have his place as the most famous evangelist in all of Judea and Galilee and have it demoted somewhat to being the second most important. He heard how that the disciples of Jesus baptized more than he and his disciples did. And he was okay with it. That's an amazing man. You have a man who saw the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove onto the head of the one he had just baptized. This is John the Baptist. And yet the day has now come where John genuinely sends, doesn't just think it, he actually sends a couple disciples to ask him, just to verify. Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? How? How does a man who has gone that far down this road, he recognized him. He knows this is the Lamb of God, which cometh to take away the sins of the world. He knows who that guy is. How does he come to the place where he begins to go, are you really the guy? Where he begins to doubt his faith. He begins to wonder. Just a little. He begins to wonder. Have I been wasting my time? Did I send my disciples to the wrong one? Did I get this mixed up somewhere on the line? Well, how does this happen? Well, if you look, you can see this man who seemed above the fray, seemed unaffected by all that was going on, that opinions of others didn't matter, that it seemed like he just was just, just coasted on with faith, it was very fruitful for a good portion of his life. He was, he was famous and he was impactful. In fact, many years later, there would be uh, disciples of his in Ephesus. We're talking about a countries away that were still faithful 
that all they had was the baptism of John. It was that kind of a ministry. But over time, he just began to wonder a little bit. Here's why. If you, if you go forward a couple chapters, you'll see things that happened before this. Because notice, it tells us there in verse 2, we just read that he was that they heard in prison the works of Christ. He was in prison. So how did he end up in prison? In Matthew chapter 14, it gives us the background of how he ended up in prison. How did this happen? <clears throat> well, here's what happens. If you go back and just take a look at verse number 3, you see that the Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. You see the courage of this man? Let me, let me say, let me tell you, it is wrong, it is wrong for any man to begin a relationship with his brother's wife. It doesn't matter if you happen to be a nobody, the bad boy of the neighborhood, some young man or some, it doesn't matter if he is Herod the king. It's still wrong. But wise preachers understand you believe it's wrong, but you just don't say anything. You don't post it on Facebook or you might get banned. That's just unwise. You believe it, you say it in the confines of those with those who will accept it with you, but you don't do this kind of stuff and publicly rebuke someone in such high authority. But that's what John the Baptist did because it was right. Don't you love this guy? Courage. Verse 4, I'll read it again. He said, it is not lawful for thee to have her. So John's like, I'm sorry, excuse me, Herod is, I'm putting this guy to death. But here's the real, here's the reality, though. He's a politician. He understands, but you know, he is really popular right now. If I put him to death, people are really mad. So I'll just put him in prison, verse number 5. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So that is how this man ended up in prison. Now, go with me back. To chapter 11 then. So now we see what's going on here. He is now in prison when he sends these two disciples and he asks them, art thou he, in 11 verse 3, that should come or do we look for another? I guess we could say this. John was willing to give up his career, his dreams, he was willing to give up being normal. But he had a certain idea, an expectation of how it was all going to play out. He, he had a Bible. He could look at through, through there. He could see what the prophets had said. He understood. His dad was a priest and could teach him all these things. And he knew they were looking for the Lamb, Isaiah 53. They were looking for the Lamb of God. He knew that. And he already knew it was going to happen, how it was all going to play out. He could read it himself. And as you go through the Gospels, you can see it all through the Gospels, where everybody had read the Bible, and everybody had figured out pretty plainly what it was saying. And it was pretty great stuff. We're talking about the king is going to come back. 
the son of David was going to be born, and he was going to be the Messiah that was going to bring justice and judgment on the whole world, and he was going to rule and reign, and Israel was going to be the place where his throne would be established, right there in Jerusalem. It's all there, and everybody knew it, and everybody was expecting it. Everybody was, anybody who had, who had faith thought it was really going to happen. Even if you didn't have faith, you could see it was, what it said, whether it would happen or not, who knew? I mean, if, if you remember, when, when, the, when the wise men come, and they, they go to, they go to, 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 uh, to Herod, they say, Herod, where, where, where's this, where's this uh, the Messiah? Where's the, the, the Christ child going to be born? And he instantly calls the scribes. Remember that? And the scribes, they don't have to go and think about it. They don't have to go study it. They instantly say, oh, it's in Bethlehem. What's in Bethlehem? The one who's going to come. Now, did they believe it? Do they really believe that it could happen now? Uh, well, here's, here's how we know whether they believe it or not. They didn't go with the, 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 the wise men. They sent them on their way, but they knew the academic answer. They knew the Bible trivia question. It wasn't hard to tease out, but John the Baptist believed it. And from that, he had a series of expectations. What was going to happen? That he was going to preach and prepare and preach and prepare and preach and preach and prepare. And then that Messiah was going to come. And I don't know exactly what timeline in his mind, but the timeline was there and then it didn't happen at least it wasn't happening the way it was supposed to happen there was there was an expectation there but instead what ends up happening is that one day he's out preaching and a squad of soldiers come and they ask if they can talk to him alone and he obliges goes off to the side they uh, they, they say you need to go with us you're actually under arrest he doesn't get a chance to say goodbye to his disciples. Uh, he's just told you can go peacefully or you can, uh, we, we will bind you. So he walks, I imagine, to the, uh, to, to the dungeon there and, and uh, he's shackled there and now he's just there and, and it goes, he's never told you're going to be here for, for 72 hours. <laughs> There's no rid of heaviest corpus. They're, they're just, they're just, you're just in jail and the next day he's still in jail. And uh, I, I, I had it happen one time when I was in China where I was just for a few hours of my life, I was detained. I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why. Uh, they, I was just simply detained. And, uh, and I was taken to the police station, and I was put into a, a place to sit, sit there, and I had to sit there. And uh, they came, and they asked me a bunch of questions, and they left for hours, and they came back, they asked more questions, left for hours. And they, 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 they came back and said, well, there was a cell phone stolen in this, in this, in this area, and, and we think you may have taken it. Can we go through your bag? And uh, so I go through my bag. And they go through my bag, you know, and finding, you know, whatever's in there. And, and, and I had some gospel tracks. And then oh no and uh, and it was exciting no it wasn't it was freaky and uh, but i'll tell you what happened i this, this, i was kept all day long and i'll tell you in that moment i longed to be with my wife and my children. I longed to be anywhere but in there. I longed to let me go. They came in and asked me if I wanted some dinner. And I said, no, I'll eat when I get out. Assuming they're gonna let me go like in a, in a minute. I, I, you know, what, what had I done? And, and then the, 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 I, as I was there for hours, I, I thought about this. I thought, how did men like Paul do it? Where it's been 14 days and then 14 months and then 14 years, how? There's men like John Bunyan just stay in jail day after day after day. That's what this man's going through. And I don't know what he expected, but at some point, the revolution, it's going to begin. I mean, it's here. It's now. 
It's, it's everything is ready. I have prepared the way. I have found him. I baptized him. And then I heard more and more and more. And as time went on, it just, this is, this is more and more. This, he's healing this person. He's healing that person. And it's happening. And I imagine he's going to make his way and use them triumphantly. And he's going to set up his kingdom and his throne. It's going to be awesome. And it's just not happening yet. Not happening yet. Not happening yet. Not happening yet. And everything that he knew was supposed to happen. It's just not happening. It's just not happening the way it's supposed to. And finally the day came when he said, would you, would you go ask him? Just ask him, are you really the one who's going to come or are we supposed to look for someone else? Tonight I want to ask you this. You think your life is going to transpire the way you think it's going to? I can tell you this. I wanted to get out of Bible college. I wasn't even sure I was supposed to be in Bible college because Jesus was coming back. I was in your church in 1997. Do you know what that means? We had been without our Savior for 2,000 years. And the millennium was about to, to come. You know what I mean? It made perfect sense. 6,000 years, 1,000 years of the millennium. Just, the timeline's perfect, and I'm living through it right And then you turn 40. You must have turned 40. It's supposed to be an eternity at this point. I don't know what's happened in your life, and I don't know what's going to happen. But whatever expectation you have, there is a chance that whatever happens was not supposed to happen. When you read your Bible, when you looked at what happened when somebody did right, when someone served the Lord, when someone walked with God, it was supposed to happen like this. You were supposed to just grow up serving God, and then you, 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 you surrender to serve Him, you go off to Bible college, you find your spouse, and it's just not happening that way. It's just not, you're supposed to be in the ministry, and then you, you serve the Lord for many years, and, and, and it grows, and you have the, the, the people come, and, and yes, you have the battles, but then you have the victories, and it's just, you grow, and it, and it doesn't happen that way. Maybe, maybe just you never do get married. Uh, maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's uh, you, you, the kids were not supposed to rebel. I, I raised them in this church. I, I listened to the preacher. We incorporated these things in our home. And, and I, I loved them. I did everything I could. But in the end, I don't know why. And at some point, it could be that you look at where you're at and you say, this was not where I was supposed to be. I had done it right. And now I'm raising my grandkids, praying for my kids to come back to God. This was not what the future was supposed to be for me. And at some point you might come to the realization, maybe I got it wrong somewhere. Lord, am I, am I, am I doing this the right way? The Bible is the right... Can you just make... And if you ever come to that point, You've reached the same point that one of the greatest men who ever walked the face of the earth got to. And you know, when Jesus heard that he asked him these questions, let's see the disappointment of our Savior, shall we? Verse number four, and Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things which ye have heard and seen. 
The blind receives their sight, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You know what he does to John? He doesn't rebuke him once, does he? He says, no, go back and tell him. Go back and tell him, I'm still working. I'm still doing great things all over the place. I'm still doing the same things I've always done. Everything's okay. And then, after they depart, Jesus begins to commend John, starting verse number 7. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, and I say unto you, and more than a prophet... For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before my face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. You know, God looks down upon us when we reach those moments when we say to ourselves, I wasn't supposed to go bankrupt. I wasn't supposed to get cancer. I was supposed to study like this and, and do right and not mess up this way and get scholarships or get this promotion. or I was supposed to get that opportunity. I, I, my, my, my spouse was not supposed to die this young. I was not in the cards. I, I, I did everything, and I saw the Bible, and it talks about if, if you serve him, he'll bless you, and, and here I am. And it's just not worked out the way it was supposed to work out in my life. And if there's ever that moment when you say, I get it right. I'm here at Gethsemane Baptist Church, been here all these years, and did I get the right one? If that ever is you, you know what the Lord's going to say? The Lord's going to say, I'm still working. Look over that family. Look what I'm doing over there. See what I'm doing over here. I'm still working. And then he's going to say, and look at my faithful servant right here. Still serving me all these years. Still there. Everything's all right. It's going to be okay. Turn with me to, to, uh, to, to Luke chapter 19, would you? Luke chapter 19. Super Christians, super Christians sometimes waver. Spiritual giants sometimes begin to doubt for a season. If that ever happens to you, you just joined the ranks of some of the greatest, most spiritual, I mean, rated by the Lord himself. Tonight, let me tell you, Jesus is still working. No matter what's going on in the society that you live in, no matter what's going on in your home, it was not supposed to be that your, your spouse would do what your spouse did to you. That was never, never a good thing. And you thought, if I do this and I go and find this person and we get in the church and we serve God and everything, it's going to be great and we're going to have a great life and we're going to have our grandkids and we're going to be together and it's going to be wonderful and that person left you. That can happen. And at some point in the line, as you look at how life is transpiring for you, you just look at it and say, this was not what I expected. You've just joined the ranks of John the Baptist. And if you look at verse number 11, I want you to see here. Here we have the 12 disciples. These, these 12 have been following Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 19, this is the 19th chapter. This, this book only has 24 chapters in it. So we're looking toward the end of the ministry of Christ here. 
And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And look, 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 look here's it. You check, just, just grab this. And because they, that's the disciples, thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. You get the expectations right here? You get some expectations? <laughs> so these, these, these men were out there fishing or tax collecting, whatever they're doing, and then Jesus comes along and he says, uh, follow me, follow me. And you know what? These one by one, they follow him. You know why they were following him? You know they had some expectations? You know, they literally would argue amongst themselves, when we set up this kingdom in a, like a couple of weeks, Who's going to be number one? Who's going to be number two? I'm going to be the minister of this, and, and you can be the emperor of that, and we're going to just set this whole thing. It's going to be so great. I mean, so awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, it's about to happen. And it doesn't happen that month, or the next month, or the next month. Woo, hey, we started pointing toward Jerusalem. Yeah, here it goes, guys. We're going toward Jerusalem. This is the big moment. We watched him as he's fed multitudes, as he's healed the impossible to heal. He has raised the dead. Now he says, get a couple swords. <laughs> All right, here we go. I think you can understand why. When the night finally comes, and there's a bunch of men in the dark approaching with, with torches, and at that moment, here it is! Here it is! Woo! Get the sword out! We got this! Yeah! Start swinging, cut a guy's ear off. Whoa! Here we go! No, stop! What? Stop! What? Put up the sword. Uh, what's going? This is. We just jumped off the script here. Pick up the ear. Come here, boy. Put it back on Malchus. They take him away. Sword gone. I, I'm out of here. I guess I got it wrong. Three days later, rumors begin to fly. But even after the Lord appears unto them, these men are still jarred in their minds. To the point at which in John... The 21st chapter begins like this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And here's what happened. Because Peter said to a couple of the disciples, I go fishing. What, what, Peter, you gave up that fishing stuff. What are you doing? Because his whole world that he had understood, the way it was all going to transpire, fell apart. And even though now... A couple times, this is the third time Jesus is going to appear to them. Two times, risen, he's already appeared. But Peter still is under the... I, I just got, I, I, I'm going fishing. I, 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 it's not for me. I'm not going to disown him anymore. I'm not going to go fight against him, but I'm going to go do something else. And the others, the others said, oh, well, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered his ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Business just didn't go very well. Let me tell you, that's exactly what most of us find out when we say... All right, I thought, I thought if I lived by faith, it was going to be like this and like this and like this. And then it was like this and this, and then it wasn't. And I kind of fell flat on my face. And it just didn't work out. And it just didn't go. And, and you begin to wonder, well, I guess I do my own thing. You do your own thing, it just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> just like Peter. 
You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, done with you guys. Ah, three years wasted on you, 11. Go find new guys. Anybody else want to follow? No, that's not what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? Jesus went down to the seashore, got some firewood together, started a fire. He somehow came up with fish. How he got those fish, I don't know. But he came up with the most incredible broiled fish right there on the fire. And then he called them, children, have you any meat? And then he fed them. That is how Jesus dealt with those who had the courage to follow him for three and a half years. Willing to take on the abuse of their of the Pharisees and the priests and of the, the scribes and those who were, who, who were rulers. They were willing to be different, look different, act different. They were willing to be the, the different in the sense that they were going the unorthodox way. All the priests and the people in Jerusalem were not coming over to their side, and yet they were still staying faithful. But they finally came, and their expectations just go, what? This, wait, this is the wrong way. Turn with me over to uh, Acts chapter number 1. Just, just look at these. these, these hopefully these, these, this will help you. Stir you up a little bit. Actually, I want you to see some more expectations here. So now, Jesus rounds them back up, and they're, they're okay, here we go. Yeah, Jesus is risen. This is great. And Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. And when, and, and when they, therefore, were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, <clears throat> Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Woo-hoo! <laughs> You know, and now it made sense. Okay, I get it now. You know what happened? Oh, there was that interlude. The Messiah. He, yeah, the, right, Isaiah 53, he suffers. Oh, of course, and it's done. Yeah, back on track. Here we go. It's happening now. All right, okay, are we doing the restoring now? Yep, Lord, right, about time. We did that part now. Now I get it, now I get it. You know what Jesus said? Verse number seven. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And then he gives them a new job, which is going to take their little script and tear it in pieces and give them a new script. And that new script is, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel. Folks, folks, it's happening all over again. That morning, it just on them, this is happening. Yeah! Okay, Lord, it's time now, right? All that stuff we've heard about all our lives. Let me tell you, everything they heard about in their lives is still going to happen. All those prophecies are going to come true. It's just that not on their little timeline, which made sense to them. So there they are. Right. Lord. You know what what the Lord said? The Lord said, uh, it's not your job to know. Go be witnesses of me. And then they watch him. Instead of becoming king, he does something that surpasses becoming king. He begins to just slowly. He could have done it in the twinkling of an eye. He could have done that. It's going to happen to me one day. 
But he wants them to know that he went up. Because if it happened the twinkling of an eye, they don't know where he went. Just one, day, one moment he's there and the next moment he's not. And we can say, well, I guess he went up. But we don't know that. Instead, everything they were now expecting is now gone again. And then two men show up, verse number 11. And they said, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. My time is short. Let me read to you a passage in Romans. Chapter 5 said this. We glory in tribulations also. We glory in them. You know what? Every tribulation that comes your way, the definition of that tribulation is that you are not wanting it. You are not expecting it. It did not fit into your plans. In fact, it ruins your plans. Do you know why, you know why those tribulation comes? He says, we glory in them. Here's why. Knowing that tribulation worketh. Is anyone here? Can you tell me the word? What does it work? Patience. And patience, experience. And experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed every time he tears up the script in your life every time that what you expected all those expectations come crumbling down and there's that moment when you think to yourself did i get this right we're the we're the we're the right team right we're the you know what the Lord's doing? Teaching you a little more patience. That'll gain you experience. And what that hope is, is that the next time you go through that kind of tribulation, the next time you're the Apostle Peter, and as Jesus told him in the end of John, that he would one day be bound and led to where he doesn't want to go, when that happened, instead of him crumbling and his faith falling apart, he would still walk in hope to the executioner's block or to the cross that he was crucified, however he died, he would walk there in hope, fully knowing that his faith is secure in Jesus Christ. And tonight, I don't know what you've been through in your life. I don't know the history of the church since, I don't know, I don't know, I can tell you this. No matter what you've gone through, there's probably going to come a time when you're going to say, did I get it right, Lord? Do I really know you? And at that time, you know what Jesus is going to say? I'm still working. Look over there. Look what I'm doing here. I'm still doing lots of stuff. I'm doing lots. And I'm proud of you because you're still faithful. Stay faithful. Let's bow and close our eyes. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the history of it. Thank you for those in this church who've been here for decades and those who've been here for years. Thank you for those who've been here for months. Father, for those who are brand new, I pray that you'd give them a heart of true faith. They would walk with you in this church steadfastly. Lord, as those around begin to waver and 